Our text tonight, picking up where we left off last week, Ooh. chapter 4 and verse 12. Can we, it's really like, I feel like I have a monitor kind of scraping. I don't know where it's coming from. So, anyway, chapter 4, verse 12, that's better. Uh, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfect or perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides, or God abides in him and he in God and we have known and believed the love that God has for us God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him and so Lord we do pray that you would give us understanding insight understanding application as we consider these few verses tonight We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you inspired John to record these things. And, Lord, I know that John wasn't recording these things with a void in his head, emptiness, and he's just writing as his hand, you know, makes the motion. But he's writing from what he had heard from you, Jesus, and what he had received from you. And he's just kind of, highlighting or amplifying some of these things many of these things lord and so we just pray tonight that as we study this small portion of scripture that we'd remember that it it really flows with the whole of scripture and we thank you for your word in jesus name amen well i noticed a few things in our text uh the thing that jumped out at me first is the words, no one has seen God at any time. And we find this statement, I mean verbatim, no one has seen God at any time, we we find this five times in John's writings. Now, I didn't say five times in 1 John, I said five times in John's writings. So three times We see this phrase, no one has seen God at any time. Three times we see this in John's gospel. And then two times, this is the first and the second is in verse 20, uh, that we see it in the epistle. So that jumped out at me when I was just reading over this and kind of thinking about it. No one has seen God at any time. Another thing that jumped out at me was the word abide. Because obviously as you read our short text, the word abide is seen a number of times. In fact, the word abide, not just the word, but the reference to the word abide, it's referred to eight times in our short little text today. It's seen once in verse 12, twice in verse 13, twice in verse 15, and then three times in verse 16, abide is uh, referred to. And abide, you know, you say, well, what does that mean? It means to dwell 
or it means to live in. So keep that in mind. And then the last word, what do you think it is? Just from looking at the text, what, what word do you think jumped out at me? Love, love. yeah. Because love is mentioned five times in our text. It's seen twice in verse 12 and then three times in verse 15. So no one has seen God at any time. Um, do you believe that? You might say, well, wait a minute now. Isaiah said, uh, in the year that Uzziah the king died, I saw the Lord seated upon his throne. And he did say that. And that's what we find in Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord. But it's interesting, as you read the text, he does not describe the Lord at all. He says his robe, the train of his robe, filled you know the, the temple there in God. And then he goes on to describe other things that he saw, like the seraphim, and he describes what he saw, and he describes what he heard, and I think that Isaiah, he no doubt saw the Lord, but he did not see the Lord. I mean, he did not have this face-to-face encounter with the Lord, based on what? Based on no one has seen God at any time. See? So the word of God doesn't contradict itself. No, we live in a time where everyone seems to, not everyone, I'm being sarcastic here, but a lot of people seem to have have these stories, they write books, they go on Christian television, and they tell their wonderful stories about being caught up to heaven and um, seeing God face to face. Jesse Duplantis face to face with God. Um, So many others. Did you know that Paula White, Paula White was, of course, the spiritual advisor to President Trump. She claimed to have gone gone up to heaven and to have seen the Lord face to face. And we see a lot of this. We hear a lot about this. And they're so casual about it, nonchalant about the whole thing. You know what I wonder about these folks? I wonder where the fear of God is to tell lies like this. People tell lies because they want you to be impressed by them. That's a holy woman. That's a holy man. Based on what? They've seen God face to face. So do you believe them or do you believe what the Bible says? The Bible says no one has seen God at any time. Remember when Moses, in fact, if you would, you could mark your spot there and turn over to Exodus chapter thirty. Three, do you remember when Moses, now, if there was ever a holy man, Moses would, would fill the bill, wouldn't he? You know, he was a, a man that was chosen by God uh, as a little baby, you know, that he would be the one to deliver Israel out of their Egyptian bondage, you know. You know, when you choose a little baby, you got to wait a long time before they're old enough to carry out the task. And, um, and the Lord chose him. And, of course, he was carrying out the task. But in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18, he had a request. So it says, and he, the he there is Moses, said, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. Then he said, and the he there is God, obviously, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim my name or the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, look at this, you cannot see my face. Why? For no man shall see God and live. 
So who are you going to believe? You're going to believe the Bible or you're going to believe Paula White or all of these people making the circuit with their books and their stories and so on and so forth. Look over in the next chapter. We see the fulfillment of what the Lord said he would do. Verse 34, or chapter 34, verse 5. It says, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, with Moses there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, God merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Verse 8 says, So Moses made haste, bowed his head toward the earth, and worshipped God. Uh, here was a man that came as close as you could possibly get to seeing the face of God, though he did not see his face. And I want you to note how humble he was. It doesn't fit the bill with what we hear and what we see today. By the way, you know the verse, verse 7, second way down, this is where people get this idea of generational curses. You know, you hear all these things, generational curses, generational curses, you know, guys, you got to read the Bible. you got to read beyond it. Whatever generational curse might be declared here is null and void according to Ezekiel chapter 18, where the Lord says, listen, each person will stand before me. The righteous will be treated as the righteous should be treated. The sinner shall be treated. You know, he's not holding the sins of your father or your mother against you. They're not your sins. They're the sins of, of your parents. So, again, Bible doctrine is very, very important. Turn back to First John. He says, no one has seen God at any time. Let me, let me read one of these statements from John's gospel. John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The verse goes on to say, the only begotten son who is in the bosom, it doesn't say was in the bosom, in the bosom of the father has declared him. So no one has seen God at any time, but the son of God, God incarnate, is declaring him. John's gospel tells us that the invisible God is known, is seen through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. But Jesus came to declare him, to manifest him. Again, 1 John four twelve, John says, no one has seen God at any time. Now, Jesus, when he was on the earth... The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when Jesus was on the earth, the incarnation of God was present on the earth. And um, as he was here, he did things, he spoke things, um, declaring the nature of God the plan of God, 
right? Because he is the salvation. Our text even says it, the savior of the world. So he's declaring father's purpose and plan for the world that would be fulfilled through him, through Jesus, the incarnation of God. And so while he was on the earth, he was declaring, he was manifesting, but we know he left the world. He ascended back to heaven after his resurrection, and he is, according to the scriptures, he is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. What is he doing there? Well, he ever lives to make intercession for us, so he's praying on our behalf, you know. That's what Jesus is doing. So does that mean that there is no declaration, there is no manifestation of God? No one has seen God at any time. Is there no manifestation now? Is there no declaration? No, of course not. There's the word of God. You, you know, guys, I, I, again, I think people, they almost, they almost hear those words and they're disappointed, depending upon your doctrinal or experiential background. The word of God, the word of God. Oh, it's always the word of God. You know, they had, they had, they had the, the, the lightning and the, <laughs> and the dark clouds and the, and, the, and the, you know, all these miraculous things the children of Israel did, you know, and, and the, the manna in the morning and the, the pillar of, 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 you know, fire by night. And, and they had all of these things and the quail and all of that. And, and, and we've got the word of God, the word of God, you know. Man, if we don't understand how precious it is to have the word of God. They didn't have the word of God. The word of God was being declared. It was being lived out. It was, it was, it was going to be recorded. It was being recorded, you know, but we have the full canon of scripture. So the Lord, no one has seen God at any time, but he is present tense being declared through the word of God and through the believers in Christ. And in the tribulation, he will be declared by an angel who flies through the heavens. Remember? Proclaiming the everlasting gospel. But right now, the Lord, no one has seen him at any time. I, what does he look like? I don't know. Why, why are people so hung up on If we saw God, we'd die. <laughs> you know I mean? we, we, we would not live in these bodies. There's no way that we could see God and live. And so, you know, but... As he declared his name to Moses, and we just consider the nature, the character of God, you know, the name. Remember how important that is. I saw when I walked in, David is reading um, uh, the Jesus style. And the Jesus style, Gil Irwin just develops that whole thing, the name, the name, the name. And just, you know, if you've never read the book, you've got to read it. It's a fantastic book. But the name really speaks of the character, and we see this in, in the Exodus text that we just read. He's proclaiming his name. This is my name. This is who I am. And so the church, we're on the earth now. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We're going to get to that in just a moment here. We have the spirit of God. Of course, we couldn't do anything without the spirit of God. But we have the word of God, the spirit of God, and we have personally placed our faith in Christ, and we are... Now, present tense, declaring to the world what God is like. And you say, well, how does that tie into the text? In fact, how is the Lord manifested in the world through the believer? Well, one way is this. Look at the rest of the verse. 
if we love one another. If we love one another. Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. See, love is the proof. The proof of what? No one has seen God at any time, but he exists. How do you know he exists? If you love one another. That's, love is the proof. Now, listen to me, because this is really important. It's not our love. It's his love. His love in us, flowing out from us, is the proof. No one has seen God at any time, but he's real. And the manifestation, the proof of that, is that his people, redeemed people, love. We love each other. Now, sadly, you know, we live at a time where, where love needs to be defined, doesn't it? I mean, every week it seems like there's somebody. You know, I, I, I can't wait until, I shouldn't tease. I was going to say something that would be tragic if it happened. But I was going to say, I can't wait till Russia shuts down all the social media. You know, you, you, give, you put a mic in front of somebody, everyone's an expert on everything, and we have these Christians that are just, you know, they're just flapping their gums all the time, and they're saying all sorts of things, you know. This week, the new one, the, uh, the Christian band, what is it, Ren Collectic? Collective, okay, Ren Collective. I don't know, I've never heard them. I, you know, I stopped listening to, I love worship, but I could care less about, I, I have not heard a, a really sound biblical uh, uh, Christian singer for decades. It's so sad. And, and I love music. And I used to, you know, I think of, this is going way back. I always mention Keith Green. Keith Green was so convicting. His songs were so fantastic. But another guy that was a lot like Keith Green was Steve Camp. Do you guys remember Steve Camp? Steve Camp, his songs, man, they were full of biblical truth. They were kind of hard-hitting. They were, boom, kind of in-your-face type of thing. I loved to listen to him. Another guy I loved to listen to in the 80s when kind of the new wave or, you know, new wave is what it was called. Music came out. And remember, everything kind of went to keyboards and everything. (laughs) Was a guy, his name is Steve Taylor. You guys remember Steve Taylor? He he wrote the most, uh, you know, he offended people with his songs. That's why I loved it so much. He did, he just, um, you know, he, he would write songs about different things. He'd, he'd you know, talk about, he had a song called The, the Steeplechase. Lukewarm Christian, you know, it talks about the lukewarm Christian always running to church, to church, to church, has itching ears, wanting someplace, you know. He wrote a song about... Um, Bob Jones University, because Bob Jones University had a policy that you could not interracially date. And so he, uh, you know, he wrote a song. There's a college down in, and he mentioned the play, I forget what, Kentucky or wherever it's at, you know, down in the Bible Belt, you know. And and uh, their motto down there is, honky if you love the Lord, you know, and it just, hold it, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and it was, you know, songs that made you think about, you know, what are we doing? How does this really fit in biblically to, to what is...
Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen.